This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Hey, you ready for the word this morning? Amen. All right. All right. Uh, I want to I talk this morning just for a little bit on the subject. I'm titling my message, New. Uh, just the word new. You can put that on your notes. Uh, if you want to follow on the Bible app, uh, you can follow. We have the notes on the Bible app as well. You can take down your own notes if you're more of a digital person. Uh, if you have your notepads with you, which I love, uh, please go ahead and take notes on your notepad as well. This is going to be an awesome word for you this morning. Amen. Look at somebody and say, get ready. All right. Uh, we're going to Isaiah chapter 43, a very familiar passage of scripture, but Isaiah 43 And we're going to verse 18 and verse 19, verse 18 and verse 19. And while you're turning there, uh, I want to ask you a question, right? Um, I was thinking about this just the other day. I was going through my closet and I was kind of rearranging and arranging my clothes. And my daughter was in the room, in the closet with me, and she was watching what I was doing. And there was this particular sweatshirt that I was looking at. It was a hoodie sweatshirt. Uh, I was looking at it's one of, don't you like have a piece of clothing that you love more than any other, anybody here? That, just not me, okay. There's at least one that you have that no matter how old it is, it might be 25 years old, it might be 15, 10, you're still holding on to it. It has like five tears and, you know, holes all over and you still, anybody? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Amy says a whole closet's like that. I have a couple of them, right? Like that. We, I, I, and, and it's, I don't know, it's a sense of affinity. It's, there's something about old stuff. Somebody once said that old stuff is better than new stuff because old stuff has stories attached to it. That's true. Uh, sometimes old stuff is good. It's hard for you to get rid of old stuff. A few weeks ago, I was in my dad's house uh, back in India, and I was just like going through some rooms, and my dad has stuff from like the 80s, okay, that he's holding on to. And I'm like, Dad, what's going on over here? Like, we need to put you on like a Hoarders TV show or something. This is getting unhealthy, you know? But sometimes we have these tendencies to hold on to things that have stories. I have a sweatshirt just like that. That sweatshirt is as old as me being here in the United States. It's around 14 years old. I love that sweatshirt with everything I have. And the reason I love it, it's not just because it's comfortable. It's also, there's a story attached to it. It's the first sweatshirt and hoodie that I've ever owned. It was a gift that was given to me, and you know, I was, I was kind of braving the cold with whatever, and, and someone said, hey, you, you need something more thicker than that, and somebody actually took me to the store, bought that. It's an Adidas blue hoodie that I absolutely love to this day. It has no tears, thankfully. It has no rips. I'll probably stitch it, but I would hope and pray that that lasts me another 20 years. I hope that I can hand it over to my daughter, even though it's probably not going to fit her one day. It's an XXL, but it's something that I hold on to because there's a story attached to it. Sometimes it's so hard for us to let go of old stuff because of the stories that are attached to it. And some of those old stuff are good stories, uh, stories that you cherish, but uh, nine out of 10 times, a lot of the old stuff that we hold on to are unhealthy, toxic stories that we really need to let go of. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19, the Bible reminds us this, remember not the former things, 
nor consider the things of old. He's saying, don't remember. He's saying, forget the things of old. And not just that, don't even consider. Let it not even come to your mind. He's saying, don't even give it credence. Don't give it thought. Don't give it any kind of place in your life is what he's saying. He's challenging us as Christians. Verse 19, why? Why should you do that? Because you need to trust me that behold, I am doing a new thing. Not I may, not if you do this, I will. It's a I am. Someone say I am. It's a surety that I will, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. That's happening in front of you. And the question is this, do you not perceive it? Like it's happening. Are you not seeing this? It's not it's going to happen. You will see it. It is happening. It's a present continuous. He's saying it is happening as we speak. And he is alarmed at the fact that we don't see it happening in front of our eyes. It's imperative for us to see the new things that God is doing in our lives. Oftentimes we get caught up and we lose focus of the new things that God wants to do and is presently continuously doing in our life because we're holding on to all things that we're comfortable with. It's comfortable. It feels good. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, Isaiah's writings to the children of Israel come at this bleak period in the life of the nation, in their history, because they are in captivity. They have lost everything that they thought they would keep forever, and they were homesick for the land and the blessing that God had promised them. But the Bible says here that Isaiah, the voice of the Lord is coming through this prophet called Isaiah. And I, God is reminding the people and saying, forget the former. Like, absolutely, do not remember the former things. Because it's possible. It's possible to forget. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it says forget the former. But here's what I'm telling you. Sometimes in life we say, man, it's so difficult to forget. It's so difficult to let go. But I want to challenge you with this. If God said it's possible, it's possible. If he says forget, it is very possible to forget the old things. What I want to say is it's not impossible. See, the word forget has this underlying meaning and this connotation that we are supposed to stop talking about it. It has this underlying meaning behind this, this, this phrase that's used in, in the original Hebrew has this connotation of you got to stop protecting it. Not just, it's not just a let it go out of your mind. It's a you got to stop talking about it. You got to allow it to stop coming into your memory. You got to allow people to, to, to stop bringing it to your memory. You got to stop protecting it with all you got. Am I talking to somebody? I'm not talking about a sweatshirt here. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about the tattered clothes in your closet. Don't get me wrong. But you know exactly what I'm talking about. As we make progress in this message, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to open up your hearts, to ask yourself, what are some old things that you're holding on to that your eyes cannot see what God is already doing? See, a lot of people complain and say, well, God's not doing anything new, so I got to hold on to what I know best. But maybe, just maybe, you're holding on to stuff so tightly that you have no space to accommodate the new that God is doing. 
I'm challenging some of us today. It's important to ask yourself this. Are you protecting it? Are you justifying that old stuff? Are you sugarcoating that old stuff? And God's looking at us and saying, man, if, if you have to see this new thing, you have to forget. Do you know what the number one weapon of the, the enemy is? The number one weapon of the enemy against you is your past. You know that he can use your own story to work against you? You know, you have emotions. We are made out of feelings and memories and, that are attached to the past. And, and the enemy knows that as long as he can touch your past and keep reminding you about your past, he can get to you. But you know what he doesn't have control over? He can't see your future. So he can't talk about your future. If he tells you about your future, remember he's lying. Okay, let's, let's break it down. If he opens his mouth, he's if you entertain a conversation with the enemy, he is. Because that's what he is. Like if you have something that the enemy saw, if he opens his mouth, he is. It's, it's important because the opposite, the, the Bible says he's a father of. So I need us to remember this, that when we allow God to speak over our life, you've got to allow the truth to settle in so he can see your future. So if you feel that like the enemy is telling you that something's going to happen in the future, he's lying. He can only go to your past and talk about it. Sometimes he'll tell you, man, that past was good. He will remind you that it was great. Like, you remember Exodus 16? The Israelites are complaining to Moses and saying, man, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Like, we were in slavery for 400 years. Our fathers, our great grand like, bro, this is what you've been praying for. No, 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 no. That was comfortable is what the Israelites are telling Moses. Like, why did you have to bring us to this desert? To die here? It was better off being under the rule of Pharaoh. See, the enemy has those thoughts that he brings into your minds. He would tell you, man, it was good. Your past was good. He'll say, you, it won't get any better. If it was bad, he'll tell you that that's your fate. That's what it's going to be forever. Suck it up and deal with it is what the enemy is going to tell you. He's going to be like, that's, that's, that's all you get. Take what you get. Like my, my three-year-old says, you take what you get and you don't complain. And I, I want to remind somebody today. The Christian shall not and will not live under that slavery mentality of I'll take what I get and I will not complain. No, 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 no. The enemy does not have his final say. There are things that can remind you of your past. It could be a song that you hear. It could be a smell that comes to you. It could be something that you see that takes you back to stuck. That takes you back to defeat and failure. It's 2023, but you're still in 19... 98, your body and mind is here and your memories and your thoughts are in the past. Why? Because the enemy has somehow convinced you that old is good. Old is better. Old is cherished. Old is memories that you don't want. Old is where you understand your roots. Old, you, have, you better hold on to old because you don't want to let go about where you came from. Sometimes it's essential and imperative for the Christian to let go, to embrace the new, to embrace the powerful, to embrace what God is going to do in your life. And God is looking at you and saying, forget, stop talking about it is what he's saying. Some things you just got to let go. Stop rehashing those things. Stop talking to those same people. Stop allowing those same people to affect you and influence you. Hmm. 
He's the God of the new things. I want to remind somebody, if you go through the scripture, the scripture is going to remind you over and over again of how God says, man, my desire is to do new things. In 2 Corinthians 5, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You are new in Christ. In Colossians, it reminds us and says, do not lie to one another since you have taken off your old self. I don't have these verses, so go along with me. He says, man, you are a new person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. I'm speaking to some souls. I'm speaking to the spirit inside of you. I'm speaking to the person inside. Don't look at the outside and be discouraged about what God is, what's happening on the outside, but look within and say, my spirit is renewed. My spirit and my soul is refreshed, and I know that God is doing a new thing inside of me. Do not be deceived about the outside. In Genesis, he says, man, he made all things new. And he was, he looked at it and he was like, man, this is good. In Revelation, it ends off by saying, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And from the beginning till the end, my God's one goal is this. I am in the mission of making things new. And I want to remind you today, God has made you a new person. If you don't know God personally, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you've lived a, a life of, of regret and pain and shame, I want to remind somebody the answer to your problem is Jesus because he is in the business of taking all things and renewing it. But I want you to understand what a renewal entails. My God is not in the, he doesn't have an HDTV channel of saying, man, I'm just going to make a, make a show out of taking people and renewing them and refreshing them and making them new. No, he does. He's not in the restaurant. He's in the business of looking at you and me and saying, I'm going to make you a brand new person altogether. Life in Jesus is about experiencing brand new, a brand new life. So I don't know about you, but I want to embrace this new beginning that God has in store for me. I want to live in the fullness of the newness of God's strength and God's anointing and God's power in my life. But how do I enjoy that? How do I embrace what God wants to do new in my life? Can I give you three things real quick? Number one, number one, the Bible says I'm going to do a new thing. Number one is this, new, a new thing does not equate new things. I want us to get this right. A new thing is completely different from new things. This verse has been misinterpreted a lot and uh, studied by people a lot to assume that when God says, I will make things new or I will do a new thing, it comes with new stuff. They associate it with a job. They associate it with a, with a relationship. They associate it with people in your life. You can fill in the blanks over there. But verse 19, the Bible says, I am doing a new thing. Let me break this down. See, we're trying to convince ourselves that it is new things, like this overhaul that's supposed to happen. Like somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're like, man, I can't wait for this year to be over. I'm like, we just started. We're, we're, we're like, we're still in, like, Feb, what are you talking about? We're still in, like, we have 10 more months to go, bro. And you're done. You're, you're, you're ready for 20. But what about 2023. You're ready for 2024, man. You're, he's re I'm like, 
let's, let's take it a step back. Something's happened over these last two months. We need to hit the reset button. We need to ask God, God, what is going on? Like, you're not done with February. It's like some of y'all are waiting to, to leave town. You're like, as soon as I turn 18, I'm gone. I'm, I'm done. I'm Dallas. I, I hate Dallas. Traffic sucks. It does, but yeah. But, but man, that, that's not the solution, is it? I just want to get away. I just want to leave. I just want to get away from my family. My family is this. My family, my dad, my mom. You, you just can't wait for that dorm life. You can't wait to be by yourself. You can't wait to not have any rules. Oh, this place is awfully quiet. Somebody has been there. Or somebody's going down that path. Trust me, it's not fun. Single people want to get married. Married people want to... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. New things. Everybody wants new things. Yeah, God wants to give you a new marriage, not a new wife. Not a new husband. That's not what you got to be praying for. You're tired of yours and you're like, oh, my Lord, I want a new thing. No, no, no. Like, God... God can make your marriage new. Like God can, God can do something amazing. And it's happening right in front of your eyes and you're ignoring it because of what he said to you two years ago. Because of that constant fight and then constant miscommunication that happens in your family. You want something new. You want to reset. Only if I did this, you live with regret and shame and all of this stuff. But God's like, God, I want to, God's like, I want to do a new thing. But here's what I want. God wants to do a new thing in the same thing. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. But I want you all to break this down in your own heads. God wants to do a new thing, yet he wants to do it in the same thing. Let me break this down for you. Some of you are like, what, what does that mean? Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4. Okay. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between yourselves and the ark. Do not go near it so that you can see the way you go. But here's, here's the line. Since you have never traveled this way before. I want you to understand what that means, right? It didn't mean that they've never been there. Like 40 years ago, they came to this, this exact same spot. They came as spies. The only difference was that they were coming back, not with the same map, not with the same layout, not with the same plan, not with the same agenda. They were coming back as conquerors this time. And he was looking at them and saying, man, you've never been in this way before. You've never approached this place in this way before. Like, this is going to be a whole different... You've been in the city... You've been in the vicinity. You've been in, the, in a general vicinity of the area. You've been to this place, but you haven't been this way before. The first time you came was as a spy. This time you're coming as a conqueror. It's the same way, but a different approach to the same place. See, some of us want new places with the same attitude from yesterday. Some of us want new things to happen at our jobs and our relationships and our marriage, but you don't want to change a bit. Like you don't want to change where you are. Everything needs to change around you, but I'm perfect. I'm not going to change my thoughts. I'm not going to change my, my, you know, my, like nothing's going to change my behaviors, my attitudes, nothing. But if you don't change the attitude, it will become the old crusty place in no time. It's like having somebody come and clean your house, deep clean the house. I got a deep clean in my house. I said that a few months ago. Like we hired somebody, she came and she, there was a deep clean. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then two months later, all the grime's back. 
where it was two months ago. And, and I got to remind myself, man, I don't, if I don't upkeep and I don't take care of that which was deep cleaned, it's going to go back to what it was. So what's the solution? Let's just sell this house and get, get, get a brand new house. Let's just get rid of this marriage. Like, like everybody wants a way out. There's, oh, we don't have good communication. It's never been this, like, 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 what have we done? How much have you moved? Or have you stood where you are and have you demanded and demanded and demanded for change without affecting change one bit? I'm challenging the church today because we got to do this. We got to understand what God is asking us to do. See, God can do a new thing in the same place instead of a new house. You can clean your house. You can do, you can go and paint your house, open up the windows sometimes. Let that bad air go out. Let some new air come in. Man, no one's like, no one's talking back to me today. Uh, I want a new car. Go wash your car. Oh man, that's not bad at all. Like, some of, I can draw Mona Lisa's on your car, you know? Like, like, like and, and you're, a new car is not the solution. For some of us, a new job is not, I'm not downplaying some of y'all that have reached the end of the rope. No, no, I'm not downplaying that. But for a majority of people, we don't want to try. We don't want to see the new thing that God is doing around us yet. We just want to, we want to hop. Oh, this church, that pastor, man, he's, he preaches for way too long. He, sa he says he's closing, but then he takes another 30 minutes. And uh, I don't know. I got to go look at another church. He can do the same thing with a new attitude. He can do the same. Like, it could be your same job if you go in with a new work ethic. Like, nobody ever did not find favor by showing up early and staying late. Oh, brother, what are you propagating? Should I not spend time with family? No, no, no. Just put in some extra hard work. Favor is just not from God, but favor is also from man. And so important for us to understand, like, last week's curses can become this week's blessings. Like last week's challenge is this week's miracle. It's a new approach that God is asking us to take. An attitude shift. Someone say an attitude shift. It's, it, it's going to take praise. It's going to take gratitude to, to get you to this new thing that God wants you to do. Sometimes it's looking at your situation and saying, man, what good is going to come out? And God's like looking at you and saying, what can I do with where you are? Stop trying to jump ship. Stop trying to go into somebody else, like envying somebody else's yard. Stop trying to envy somebody else's marriage. Stop, stop, stop looking at somebody else's wife and saying, only if you were like that. Only if you change this small thing. But what are we doing actively as a family, as, 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 a, as, as a group, as a, as, a, as a church, as husband and wife, as, as, like, like, as a son and daughter or son and father? Like, like, what are we doing in order for us to change and ask God to do something new in where we are? You might not like this city. But what are you asking God to do over here in the season that God has put you here in? Point number two is this. Make sure that you're looking for the new thing. Not for the old thing again. Make sure you're looking. Someone say, look. It's a, not, a, not an old thing repeated. It's a brand new thing. Like verse 19. Do you not perceive it? God's asking men, can you see it? Because I see it. Can you not see? Because obviously, like, like why? 
Sometimes it's hard for us because the new thing doesn't look like the old thing. I preached about this a couple of weeks ago. Like just because I'm used to the Red Sea parting, it doesn't mean this time I can approach the Jordan and expect the same thing to happen. Same situation, different results. This time I got to put my feet in the water. It's going to be different. So many of us can get stuck in what God did yesterday and the solutions of, and, and a lot of people, why broke, why, why fixed what's not broken? Let's just go and do the same thing. Let's pray the same way. Let's fast the same way. 21 days work last time. We're going to do 21 days again. Three days work last time. So I'm not going to do 21 with you, pastor. Three is my magic number. I didn't do any pastor last time and I still got blessed. So I'm not fasting at all. Some of us are just looking for the old thing to come back. And some, so many of us are stepping over this new thing because you're expecting it to look like the old thing. I still remember buying a uh, surf, this, this Surface Pro actually, I bought this years ago on eBay. And uh, it, it, the listing said it was refurbished. It was refurbished, it was something that, um, you know, was, was brought back to life from whatever, and it was $400 off, and I was like, what the heck? It has free, free returns. If I don't like it, I can always send it back. But I still remember getting it back, and, and, and it's saying, brand new. It was in a bag, like absolutely nothing wrong with it. The only thing that I observed was the keyboard cover had a small nick on it. And because of that, they had, they had, they had de declared that this entire product was a refurbished product. It was something that they could not put on the shelf because it was not perfect. So many of us, we can miss out on the new thing because... Our eyes are just in the refurbished. What you expect is the refurbished. But sometimes God is looking at you and saying, man, I really want to do the new thing in your life. For $400 lesser, I got something brand new. But if I looked at it, I was like, oh, this is not broken. This doesn't have scratches on it. This isn't coming in an open box. Like this plastic is still intact. Hey guys, I think you sent me the wrong product. I think you sent me like a brand new thing. instead of like a refurbished thing. Like I would never do that. I'd be like, I get what I get and I don't complain. Because so many of us will do that. You skip over the new thing that God is doing because your mind is telling you, the slavery mentality is telling you, Egypt is telling you, you only deserve that. The temporary struggle you're going through, the Red Sea you're going through, the Jordan you're going through, this stuff in the, in the desert you're going through is not worth it. Go back to the old way because that is better than that because all you know is the slavery mentality. I deserve refurbished. I deserve renewed. I deserve the broken and the scratched and the tattered. And because you've been told this over and over and over again, you can miss out on new things that God sends you and you can say, Lord, can I send this back to you? Can someone else have it? Because that's not what I paid for. But I want to remind you that it's not because of what you did or did not do. God in his infinite mercy and his grace and favor gave you a new life. And when he made things all new, he does not look at you and say, you have to gain something or do something to gain it. God is looking for somebody to just say, man, I can see you with my eyes. God, if you want to do something new, I'm not going to live in the shame. I'm not going to live in this slavery mentality anymore. For some of us, it's man. It's, it's, my marriage is not like this. 
there's something wrong. Like, I have to be abused or I have to be spoken down to. So many of us push away relationships. I, I counseled this girl once who could never get into a decent relationship with a man because what dictated her idea of relationships was the abuse that she went through with a man that she was dating for five years and every other relationship that she had, she measured it based on that five-year relationship where she was physically abused and she was verbally abused. So when she dated this good man that came into her life and treated her like a princess and a queen, she doubted that because for her, the mentality was, that's not normal. In so many of our marriages, we don't want to see the best days ahead because you've been through the worst and you've told yourself that, 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 that that's all you deserve and that's all you can get. But I want to challenge somebody today. I want to lay a fleece down before you and saying, God, if you want to do something new, open up my eyes, God. I want to see. I want to be able to experience, God, this newness that you guarantee to me where I can live in the fullness of God's power and God's anointing. He wants you to enjoy that fullness. He wants your family to experience the joy and the fullness. He wants your children to see the joy and the fullness in your relationship. He wants to see a mother and a father. He wants to see kids that see their mothers and fathers that don't fight and complain and bicker all the time. They want, that. that's not normal. God wants to restore beauty into marriage where children look at parents and say, this is a blessing for me. Amen. See, when many people pray for God to do a new thing in your life, they're really praying for God to give you a second chance. God's not really a proponent of second chances. He's a God of new things. I want to remind somebody that. He's not going to make your marriage, give your marriage a second chance. He's going to make your marriage new. He's going to give you a brand new experience at your job. There's somebody that needs to hear this. He's going to give you a brand new experience in your life, in your relationships. He wants to do something brand new. It's not the second chance mentality. The second chance mentality brings condemnation. It brings shame. It destroys hope. Because we're constantly living in this regret of what, what didn't happen. And we're hoping we get another shot at it. We're hoping that we can have a do-over and this time we're going to get it right. We end up living in what could have been and should have been. Man, only if I didn't quit that job. Man, only if I didn't file for bankruptcy. Man, only if I, if I did file for bankruptcy. Man, if I, if I just didn't cheat. Man, if I didn't walk out. Man, if I didn't say that to my wife. Man, what if I didn't mess up? But you did, right? You did. It's done. You're thinking those thoughts are not going to change it. And that's what the Bible is reminding us about those thoughts that come. He is abolishing that. He's taking it away. Don't live in what could have been. Live in what God can do right now in your life. And he says, I want to do new things. The enemy is the one who wants you to live in a place that you can't change. Only you have the ability to get up and make up your mind. But I made the choice. So did the prodigal son. He made a choice that he thought that he could never come back 
from. So he sits in the misery that he's sitting in and he looks at himself and says, I can never get a second chance. But what he doesn't know is that's a slavery mentality. But the sonship mentality is one that says, I was born and I was created with purpose and love and mercy. And no matter how much I mess up, I can still go back to my father. And before I even say a word, he will hug on me. He will run to me and he will say, welcome back, my son and my daughter. You are my beloved and I am yours. Because slavery mentality wants you to sit back with the pigs. It wants you to eat that. But the sonship mentality is the mentality that looks at you and says, man, I didn't deserve any of this. It's not what I did or what I've not done. Stop living in a situation of guilt and shame. So here he comes running to his father and he says, Father, I don't, des- I don't deserve anything. I don't want to be a son. I just want to be a servant in your quarters. I just want to do what you... And he looks at him and says, shh, hush. He says, quiet. I don't want to hear another word from you. You're living in guilt and shame of what you could and could not have done. Nothing's going to change that. But today is not a restoration. Today is a reminder that you were created to be my son. And because of that, I am restoring your robe. I am restoring your ring. I am restoring those things that remind you that you are a son. You never lost it. You just walked away from it. Welcome back. So many of us have walked away. And God's like, come, come right back in. I'm making you new. What happened on that day was more than restoration, was making new. Because when you know that you don't deserve it, God says, I'm giving you a second chance. The third thing, I'm going to close with this. And I won't take 30 more minutes, I promise. The third thing is this. Declare that God is doing a new thing. I'm going to make you think for a few minutes here. Are you all ready for this? Declare God is doing a new thing. If you know anything about our church, here's what, here's what we do. We, we believe in the power of speaking God's word. I believe in declarations. I believe that the Christian has life and death on your tongue. I hope you believe that too. Now here's the problem. It makes people nervous when I say that. It makes people nervous because... It takes a lot of people, people go into that mindset of, oh man, oh, so you, you guys are those kind of people, like the, the faith kind of people. Hey, kind of, yeah. I don't know where your mind is going with it, but kind, sort of, yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind, if that's what you want to call it, we're the faith kind of people, yeah. Because it makes people nervous. That, see, it's the power of declaring what God thinks about us. That's what I'm talking about. The power of us saying, I am what God thinks I am. Let me pause there. Let me tell you what we're not. Can I tell you what we're not? This is what makes people nervous. So let me clarify this. This is what we're not. We're not the group of people that says we can say whatever one we want and it's going to happen. Or what you could have probably popularly at some point in time heard in your life. Name it and what? Claim it. This 
this what I'm saying of de- declarations has got a very bad rep because there are a lot of people who say, you name it and you claim it, which means if you wake up in the morning and say, I want a red Lamborghini, as soon as I walk out of my door, boom, a red Lamborghini. It doesn't happen. No, I'm sorry. Sorry to burst above with that. That's not going to happen. I don't believe in that. We don't believe that we can speak things into existence, but just as our God formed his world with his words, we can form our world with our words. He's given us power over that. I'm going to clarify in just a second. It's different from speaking into existence. It's different from, I'm going to just say it and it's going to happen. Not say it and it happens. Because if that's the case, I could be like, six pack. Anybody with me? Like anybody in this, Robert? Some of you all naturally have them, but if, if, if name it and claim it was it, I would have, but I've tried it for 20 years and I've had a family pack for like as long as I could Im- remember. You know what I'm saying? Like six. But what I mean by declaring is that the word of God can become so effective in our life that it can become the anchor of my soul. And when I declare it, I'm declaring the word of God. I'm opening the word and I am saying over my life what the word says over my life. And the moment I can say that in a biblical, in a very healthy context, I begin to tell myself and train myself that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And I can go on with declaration like we did last Sunday, but I want us to remember that there is power in our declarations. And over time, my life comes in alignment with the Word of God. Isaiah 43, it says, man, can you perceive it? Alex, you can come up. He says, can you see it? Do you have the ability to kind of read through the lines? That's what he's asking. This word declare, this word perceive is, is this word yada, yada, which, which means decree. It's, it's, it's this, it has this understanding of I'm doing something in your life and can you see it? Can you, can you declare it? It's this, it's this saying. It's this using of words. It's the affirmation. What do you mean, pastor? Like God says, I'm saying it. Can you say it too? That's what it means. It's saying, I'm saying it from heaven. Can you say it on earth? That's why you sit there and say an amen. Am I talking to somebody like, that's when, when the word of God is declared and when you, when you hear people saying amen, or Amy says, yeah, or somebody else says, that's good. Or Justina says, say it again, Pash. It's, it's one of those things where like, that was good. Like that, that was spirit, that, that was spirit given. That was, that was sent from heaven. That is a word from God. Can you say that again? Because that is good. Let's declare that one more time over our lives. When you take notes in your, in your, on your phone or when you take notes on your journal and your diary, you are saying, amen. Every single time you take a note down, you're saying, amen. Some of y'all have such great memories. So you're saying, amen in your head. And you're going to remember it for the rest of the week and the year. But it means yada. Like, can I find, what God's like looking at is, like, can I find one person who can agree with what I've already declared in heaven? Because you know what? It increases expectation. It increases expectation. You know it's coming. You know, in Job chapter 22 and verse 28, there's this verse. You will also declare a thing. And it will be established for you. 
so light will shine on your ways. Can I break that passage down? It says this, what I decree is established. What God says is going to happen in your life has already been established. It's not going to change that. Light shall shine upon your ways. Light is illumination. I'm a light to your, my word is a light to your path. It's direction. What you decree is what will be established. What's established is what you will begin to see. That's essentially what the verse is saying. If all you decree is complaints, it will be as you say. If all you decree is negativity, you will see that come to fruition in your life. If all you do is talk down to your kids day after day, you will see that come alive in their lives. So many of us sitting here are products of somebody's decree. Somebody's blessing or somebody's curse. Somebody's prayer or somebody's lack of prayer. Somebody's encouragement or somebody's discouragement. Everybody sitting over here is a product of somebody declaring something over your life. But what God has also given you the ability to do is either to say amen or no. heck no to that. Some of us need to, need to stand up for yourself and say, if God doesn't think that about me, I will not think that about myself. If God doesn't say that about me, I will not allow you and you and you and you to say that about me. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Be, stop being a pushover. Stop being a doormat. Stop allowing people to say whatever they, it doesn't matter how close they are. It doesn't matter if they're your mom or your dad or your teacher or your father. It doesn't matter if they're your grandfather or your great grand uncle, the one that you love the most. It don't matter. Stop being a pushover when it comes to people speaking over you. I rebuke negativity. I rebuke negative thoughts. I rebuke when people come up against me and declare things over my life that God hasn't said over me. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I pray that there will be husbands that bless your wives. There will be husbands that look at your wives and encourage them and push them forward. I pray that wives will stop, will, will stop looking at their husbands down and, and not encouraging their husbands. And I pray that you will encourage and you will lift one another up. Bless your kids. Speak life over them. They want your approval. They need your time. What I decree is established. Oof. Mm. Remember when Jesus calms the storm? As soon as he calms the storm, he rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith. And you know what he tells them? He says, you had the authority. That's what he says. You had the authority. Like know who you are and whose you are. Christians, open your eyes and know the power that you have. You have the authority. You have the ability. You have the drive. But so many of us are living in the poverty-stricken mentality. Would you stand up to your feet with me? Mm. 
I don't want us to misunderstand this as a name it, claim it thing, but I want you to understand this, that you're a man and a woman of authority. You can pray for people. You can exercise faith over people. You can exercise faith over your own family. You can exercise faith over yourself. A pastor doesn't need to do it for you. If you are new in Christ, if you have asked God, as you ask Jesus to come into your life, you are a joint heir. That's what the Bible says. We're joint heirs with Christ, which places you in a position of authority to exercise that authority. Speak it out in Jesus' name. That's point number three. Point number two is open your eyes. See it. Stop being oblivious. Stop looking over the brand new thing and the amazing thing that God is doing and trade it in for the old, the mundane, the things that you're used to. Am I talking to somebody? Every eye closed in this place. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back on and they're going to lead us in a time of worship and as we do every Sunday, we're just going to press in for a little bit. I'm going to ask Jeff and Vicky to be available for prayer for a little bit, and I'm going to be here as well, available for prayer. And there's anybody that needs prayer this, this morning, I'm going to be available here. The worship team is here to just lead us in a time of worship. If you want to just stay, please stay. I know that you have lunch plans after and all of that stuff is awesome and great. But there's nothing more exciting than being in the presence of God when the waters are being stirred. There's a stirring happening right now. God is, so I want you to understand this. As I'm speaking right now, God is not doing new things. Like things are already in motion. That's what I want you to understand. It's your inability to see them. Your prayer today is, is this, is Lord, give me the eyes to see. Are you ready to pray this? Is, is Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes and everything that is blurring my vision. Everything that's blurring my vision from seeing what's already there. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Can we pray that today? For some of us, it's bringing our marriages to the Lord and saying, God, I need, I need life. I need you to breathe into my marriage. I need you to breathe into my life. I need you to breathe into my job situation. I don't want to keep jumping ships. I don't want to be indecisive. I don't want to keep fighting. I don't want to keep having arguments. I don't want to have, Lord, unrest. I don't, I, I don't like that, God. I want peace. And for some of us, it's looking at God and saying, God, I want to be able to see that which is new. For some of us, it's letting go of that old stuff, man. That person that hurt you, that person that put you down, that person that ruined your life, that person that tore your life to shreds, it's about you stepping up and saying, I'm done. The words over there is not giving you, not giving real estate, not allowing those thoughts to come in, not allowing that possession to happen, not just forgetting, but taking away permission altogether. Here's what I'm going to do. Like I said, this, we're going to be available for prayer. Just come get prayed over. Some of us need to move beyond our, oh man, what will people think? Some of us need to move beyond the, beyond the oh, I, I'm not used to this. I've never asked somebody to pray for me. Sometimes it's just a step of faith. You might be comfortable standing where you are and praying, but if you need help, and some of us do, there are times in my life that I can't pray by myself. I can't say the words. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. And sometimes I need people to pray with me and pray for me.
And that's why we're available to stand alongside you and pray with you. And we want to do just that. This is a place of healing. This is a place where God is making things new. So I pray that you will avail of this opportunity. So as they get ready to lead worship, I'm going to pray. I'm going to close out our service this morning. But we're going to continue being in the presence of God. That's worship that's going to happen. If you want to stay back, if you want to linger, just experiencing the presence of God and talking to the Holy Spirit. Don't leave until you get your breakthrough. I want to challenge somebody. Don't leave. You've got a good word. Here's the thing. You've got a good word. Don't leave. The biggest disservice you'll do today is saying, Pastor, that was a good word. You'll come meet me in the lobby and say, that was awesome, Pastor. Thank you so much. And I love that you encouraged me. But the biggest disservice that you would do is to walk away unchanged. A good word doesn't change. Applying the word and asking the Holy Spirit to break you and change you will do wonders in your life. You ready for this? Every eye closed. Father, we thank you for this moment. Give us the eyes to see. Give us the heart to feel. Strengthen our spirit. Strengthen our soul, Jesus. Would you give us the ability to not settle, to not sit back and be okay, but give us the ability to keep pressing in, Lord, because we want to see your face. We want to see your beauty being displayed in our marriages, in our lives, in our in our communication, in our, in our everyday lives, in our inability to, to succeed. And Lord, we want to see a new thing happen in my marriage, in my, in my life, in my family, in my kids, in all my lost relationships. God, I want to see a new thing. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for the healing that's happening in this place. Thank you for the healing that's happening in this place. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here. Be with us this week. Move in a powerful way. Heal the brokenhearted. Mend, heal, restore. I pray, God, that we will open our eyes to see what you are doing in this place. I bless each and every person. So today, would you bless us? Would you keep us? Would you cause your face to shine upon us? Would you lift your countenance our direction? And would you give us peace that passeth all understanding? We declare your righteousness this week and the week to come. I pray that we will see, have the eyes to live with grace and to live in the favor of God. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.